When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson. 1-1. One, one. It's brilliant. 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 Here comes Quigley. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. What are we on? Episode 11, I think, is it? Yeah. Uh, It's myself, Connor Lynch, Sean Dunn, and Magoo with you. uh, And there's a bit of relief. Uh, We have finally done it. We're over the line. Qualified for Europe. Um, We, yeah, okay, we lost semi final against Shams. But um, all in all, you know, you can kind of take a deep breath and relax a little bit in the knowledge that we've reached the, the Holy Grail. The Holy Land, Europe. Um, Donner, the, the cup semi final. We were just talking before we hit record. It was a bit of a non-event in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, you, there was no feeling of a cup game around it. Never mind the semi final. It was just couldn't get that buzz. You know, as much as you tried, like deep down, you just couldn't get that feeling for it the the way you normally would for a cup semi final. Obviously, the fans, as we go saying off here, was just it's a it's a massive part of it. Like you would have had so many Sligo fans travelling up. So you were to go to Tala that day, like, but just seeing it, you know, no buzz around the ground, just the players coming out. You can nearly hear them talking on the pitch, and then you have two simpletons commentating over it as well, made it a hundred times worse. Just no, just couldn't get up for it. And then obviously the start, the way we did, made it a hundred times worse again. Yeah, um, McGrew, how did you think of um, the body language of the players? <laughs> oh, of the, don't mention them to words. Fucking body language. Seriously. Uh, what did it? It was. Go on, sorry. What were you going to say? Um, <laughs> well, according to Stewie Byrne, everybody's body language is bad at some stage. But um, like it was, a, it was a kind of shitty enough start, I suppose, from our perspective. And I mean, we don't want to be. Don't be too critical of people um, after the fairly, well, not the fairly, but the excellent season that we've had all in all in qualifying for Europe. But yeah. uh, it was a handy enough goal for McEnough and, or, uh, McEnough to kick things off, wasn't it? Oh, it was brutal. First, firstly, though, we've got Stewie Byrne um, trying to push his push his narrative for one last time this season about our players and their their body language and not wanting to do the work and not interested in the in the semi-final of the cup, the same kind of crap he was pushing earlier on the season that our lads wouldn't wouldn't run through the brick walls for us and to get out of the relegation and how can we ask them to do this if we don't pay them? And he seems to have a real gripe with the 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 club and but I don't know what his problem is like, but I'm I'm sure he doesn't listen to this podcast, but maybe somebody who who knows him does. And if they want to pass on the message that if he wants to come on and have it out here in the podcast and discuss his problem. I, I am sure none of you have any problem discussing it with him, and we'll, we'll get him on here. And you can bring John Kenny with him if you want, and we'll get the weather forecast for tomorrow while we're at it. And shots, shots fired. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah. No, no, it, was, 
But do you know what, though, McGill? It was an absolute disgrace. And not to be, I don't want to be sitting here dwelling over what commentators were talking about or that, but it was, it was an insult. And if there was a neutral watching that from England or anything, just said they tune into an Irish game to see what the buzz was about. And they sat and listened to those two talking and so negatively about one side. They would have thought it was Shamrock Rovers TV they were watching. Yeah, yeah. Was it Coughlin had it? Remember Coughlin had a snapshot? Yeah. And yeah. that went, it went a couple of yards wide, like, but it, then he, it was so, he was so nonchalant about it that, ah, oh, Coughlin there, ah, oh, it was a poor effort. Man has had it covered all the way, this kind of stuff. Park had one up the other end that went just the same, like, and he, he literally, I swear to God, probably kept himself. <laughs> We're going ahead of ourselves here. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, just um, to let people know that uh, we have a great guest uh, on the show today. Um, we speak to a former Sligo Rover striker, Danny North. Um, we look back on some incredible experiences that he had in the club. Uh, cup finals, winning leagues, um, doing some crazy stuff at the FAI Cup. Um, it's all ahead um, when we speak to Danny North. Um, so... Um, I mean, what else can we say about the what else can we say about the cup final, or about the cup semi final? Like, semi final. Like, I suppose, like, if you're, if you look at the game on the face of it, like, it's, you know, it looks like we played well. We we were decent. We had a lot of possession. We um, we were positive with it. We tried to create open. We were pushing forward. We created some decent chances, but um. A couple of very good chances, actually, Junior and, and Coughlin in the first half. But like I always felt like Shams had us at arm's length, really. Like that, the, you know, I suppose the early goal would lend it to that that they could they could play in second or third gear. But you never really felt like as Sean said as well. Like it was it was the whole atmosphere around it was very uh, lackluster, and yeah. it just it it never I just, I I never felt like we were we were going to get anything out of the game. Yeah, well, I, I, we did, Sean, at times, um, we did push them at times and we did play some good football. No more the last time we went up there and we, we were beaten. But, you know, in comparison to some of the disappointing games that Rovers have put in across the season, we did stick it to Shams um, a fair bit. We did play a nice bit of, bit of football every now and again. It wasn't a, it wasn't a complete write-off of a game. No, it was made out to be far worse than it was. We, uh, I think there was... Tweets online and stuff saying that's the worst we've played in nearly all season in the first half. That just wasn't true no. in any shape or form. Uh, we just we lacked that natural goal scorer on the night on the day. I think if if someone was there to take those chances, you know, obviously it's a completely different game. But you don't when you come up against a side like Shams, you don't really get that many opportunities. You have to take them when they come along, and we didn't. And it's. Yeah, that was the, that was the issue on the day. Apart from that, we held them off well. Like it's our own mistakes and, that lead to the goals. Yeah, and at, and at, and at, at brutal times as well to give them. Yeah, just just the start and the end of the first half. Like it's yeah. just you couldn't have picked two worse times to to give up the goals. Like couldn't yeah. have. You know, they looked very, very, they very edgy at times as well throughout that game. You know, they, we were piling on the pressure, and if we had got a goal. I think there's a strong chance they would have crumbled. You know, I think we would have been able to get back into it all together. I, I just, I think they would have. I just, I think they were just a second or third gear, and I think the fact that they scored early allowed them to just play like that. That they didn't have That's to right. be honest. I, I think you see, you seen with the second goal, with their second goal, like they, they switched on. They opted for a couple of seconds. They realised they were in behind the midfield. Yeah. Somebody was switched on with the quick ball to McNeff. 
McInef and he had he was in behind the midfield and he did a straight run and I don't know Gary Buckley picked an awful time to be heading for the shops I don't know where he was going but yeah. but you know it was it was just that more of the has and the fact they scored early meant they probably didn't have to do they didn't have to bring the real game they they knew they could any time they wanted I'd say go up through the gears and no that's we pure effort really we, we, we weren't like we were never you know once they were a goal ahead, we had to score first. Like we said it here last week, we we couldn't concede early, and we had to hold them out and frustrate them for as long as we could. Like we're never going to score two. We'd find it we find it hard scoring two or three in, in any game, any games. But like away to Shams, it's it was just asking to give that goal away. It was just yeah. What about that? Was, that was the end of the game after four minutes nearly. What about? I mean, it was an uncharacteristic mistake from from Buckley, but. The setup of the team, I suppose you wouldn't complain too much. Maybe would you have Cooper in instead of uh, instead of uh, Devers maybe on the, on the wing? Yeah, I suppose you could have, but I suppose overall Jesse had earned a spot as the season went on. You know, it would have been yeah. in theory it would have been harsh to drop him yeah. for a big game like that. But I don't think he was really any effect on the right hand side. He put in a bit of an effort, but yeah, I would have preferred to see Cooper start personally. Yeah, um, tend to agree with you, McGrew. I don't think we were ever going to trouble Shams. Really, I just think we were. I think I think having Dallas the last game of the season, you know, um, it could be a good thing in that it it shows us it's a it could be a bit of a barometer, and it shows us in the in the off season if we want to chat. Like I don't think we're going to challenge the league next year. But no, we want to close that gap. Yeah, it shows us that what kind of level we need to get to to, to close that gap. Like that'll be fresh in the minds, hopefully, of of all the yeah. well, the players, whatever players are staying, that the level they have to get, to, and also the management and the recruitment. That this is, yeah. you know, we to get to that level, we need. I'd say, I've seen fellas say two or three players to that team, and we'd be challenged into league. I I honestly think to our team now at the minute, you'd want five maybe to us to challenge Shams. Well, that's Magoo. Genuinely, just as you says that there, I was just going to cut across and say, I'd say we'd need six to the squad. Yeah. I think if you look at things, I mean, obviously we, we can't talk about budgets. We don't. We're not completely familiar with budgets, but for the last number of years, what Rovers we've tried we tried to work to build the most, uh, I suppose, the strongest starting eleven um, yeah. with the budget that we have, and in order for you to be able to really step up. You need to you need to be able to start thinking about building a squad and who's on your bench and what happens to change games and you know maybe we we might get a little bit closer to that next year with a bit of money and we might be able to you know get some stronger players in and around the middle of the park and maybe have a bit of backup or move some of the lads that are seeing a lot of game time this year um, they might find that they're coming off the bench a bit more the next season but I think that's where we're kind of it's really yeah, the depth squad. And I think that should be, but that's, I think that should be our aim. I don't think we should be aiming for trying to topple Shams or Dundalk next season. And I think if we aim for third and fourth again next season and get Europe again, then you know, build on it year on year. I think is the best. It's the only way to do it. Yeah, yeah. the worst, the worst thing we could do now is to dive headfirst into this and thinking, yeah, all right, we've a little bit of European money. Let's just throw it all at players and try and win this league. That's not the way you do it. We've built this slowly. Let's continue that build yeah. in a in a proper structured manner, and bring in the right get the right recruitment in place, 
get in some decent players, build again, secure our European football for another season and then try and build again and maybe mount a, a, even just a challenge. Do it like we've done it the last time we won the league. But then try and sustain yeah. it after that. It has to be the, it has to be that has to be the way. It has to be, talk- the, main, the main goal next season has to be to get Europe again. It yeah. has to be it. Um, after we speak with uh, Danny North, we might talk a little bit about um, the comings and goings or what we can read into social media posts from certain players. Um, we also have um, the news this week that um, Ed McGinty signed a two-year deal, so we'll talk about that in the third part of the show. Um, just to say that we're brought to you um, with thanks to Milligram Coffee on Wine Street Sligo. Check out milligram.ie, uh, their website. They have a great website there. Um, also to encourage people to buy annual draw tickets, um, hugely important for the club. This year, kind of more than many years, because we've had uh, very little income. Uh, Magoo, have you got an update on that? 18,000. 18,000, yeah. Good going. Yeah. Um, the another three weeks left. Another trust is going to say, yeah, how, much, how long do we left? So, yeah, you can buy tickets from um, srfc.ie, srfcdirect.ie. Uh, or there's loads of people all over the place selling tickets. I'll sell you tickets. Magoo, we're sure Sean's selling you tickets if you're looking to buy. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say was that oh yeah, the, the club shop is open in um, in Barton Smiths for the Christmas in the lead up to Christmas, just in time for the shops opening again. So if you're uh, interested in getting some Slugger Rovers gear, um, uh, you can get it down in Barton Smiths. And um, the other little bit of um, promotion we'll do is um, the Bitter Red Supporters Trust own pal- uh, website, who uh, have loads of gear. Um, the Black Friday sale was a huge success, I believe. Um, Jerry O'Connor is packing bags that's with t-shirts, hoodies, uh, bit of red supporters trust, uh, cups, mugs, hats, scarves, headbands go to all parts of the country. Um, so um, the world, all over the world, yeah. So um, if you've got a couple of spare quids and you're looking for some quality uh, bit of red supporters trust merch, um, you can get it on the website. Um, before we, we leave this part of the show, um, we'll just touch briefly on the drubbing that Dundalk gave. Uh, at loan, I mean, it, it's a poor reflection on the league, really, isn't it? It's. I'm sorry, Sean. No, you're great. Um, look, I think it's it's a disgrace, really, what's after happening. Um, it's not at loan's fault. You know, they they got there on Morris. You can't really blame Dundalk for going out and beating what's in front of them either. You know, that's their professional footballers. That's their job. You know. They're there to score goals, win games. That's what it's all about. I think you have to look at structurally how Atlone done it, how they set up. They went out to try to play football against Dundalk. They stuck to a system that they've been playing all season. That I think they've won three games in the first division. You know, you have to take a reality check and see where you are at times. And you're 3-0 down after 11 minutes or whatever it was. I think you then have to stay and nearly put 11 men behind the ball. Just try and keep the scoreline respectable. Not mm-hmm. keep going and, and end up the way it did is 11-0 because I think it's made a farce of the competition. I think it takes a little bit of the prestige away from the cup. I think it becomes a bit of a joke. Uh, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's been a good uh, weekend for the League of Ireland in that respect. Yeah, I think internationally it doesn't reflect well. Like we were saying before we started recording, you know, if, if you have a League One side in a quarterfinal, our last 32 of um, an FA Cup and they face a top Premier League side, they're not, they're not getting torn apart like that, you know. And, um, you know, 
the gap shouldn't be that great in um, in our, between our two leagues. But as somebody said to me, like one of the lads that I play football with on a Thursday night texted me and said, Athlone signed a player at the start of the season who plays five side with us. And Dundalk are play, are signing, you know, League One players, like you know, and and Championship yeah. players, like that's that's the difference, like you know. Um, so the difference, money, money is the difference, and the structure that the the whole of football in the country. Yeah. Like like Dundalk, Dundalk have they've had the access to the Euro money, which like the likes of Elon will never get, or yeah. it'll be a long time. But that's that's where the disparity is coming from. It's you know you don't get any. Money trickling down to the league to anybody. It's not coming from I, I bring it back as well. I bring it back to a, a very good point Magoo made there earlier on about um, the Shams game being the end of season barometer for us to see where we're at. Is if you take that Dundalk 11 0, if that was for us to win that game 11 0, how you go into next season, <laughs> you're looking at all the players that played in that game and you're thinking, how do you drop any of these? How do you get rid, how do you let any of these go? You nearly have to sign them back up. After winning eleven nil in a semi final, it's a yeah. total false perspective, uh, false showing on anything. Like that's that's papering over, papering over massive cracks for Dundalk. Even it makes them look far better than they've been all season. Yeah, like, but I don't think this. I don't think they'd look at it like that. Like I did basically view like what they are at loan as a junior team. Yeah, if even you know, schoolboy. Yeah, they might, they might, they might have a League of Ireland badge on them, and you know the players, but they're they're basically a junior team, like so. Yeah, but like that, I mean, from a, the league's point of view or from a FEI point of view, the the FEI needs to be able to. There has to be kind of like a, almost like a socialist approach, like the NFL. You know, like the way the worst teams in the NFL get the first pick of draft players. The FEI as an organization needs to be able to go into the teams that are less well off or that have less, less resources than the bigger clubs and say, well, how can we help you? Can we provide you with um, coaches or can we, you know, train your coaches or, you know, what can we do from, to, to, to strengthen the whole project? Because, yeah. I mean, what happened the other night is, I, I think it's... Well, they probably need to start, they need to start just doing it from the ground up, really, I'd say. Now is, you, you wouldn't see the, the results for, for five or 10 years, but start looking after all the clubs Youth structures, yeah, yeah and then they can, and then they can look after themselves after that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how about her shoulder? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then they better start. How about how about were we? <laughs> Vicious circle. Vicious circle. Yeah. Okay. Listen. Um. We'll um. We'll talk about uh, Ed McGinty as well, and we, we'll have a look at um the comings and goings in the club, or what we can decipher from um from posts on social media in the third part. But before we get there, <clears throat> we spoke to Danny North, um, who told some great stories about his time uh, in Ireland and specifically, obviously, with, um, with Rovers. Um, so um, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that. The first thing we asked him was, uh, what was it that brought him to Pats in the first place and brought him to Ireland? Who, who brought you to, to Pats? Pete Mann signed me at Pats. I'd left Grimsby in in the February 2010. Um, and to be fair, I got a phone call off Jerry Cassidy um, before like, I'd knew anything about Ireland. And uh, he mentioned something about Vietnam. Um, but I just missed the window, he said, but there's a chance to come to Sligo. Um, and I was like, all right, OK. And I never heard anything back off it. So then... Another fella, he was a Derby scout at the time, had seen me playing in the reserves for Grimsby and stuff um, before I left. And he's a, he's a big Pats fan, a fella called Mark O'Brien. 
um, and he just put, got in touch with me um, and asked if I'd come over for a couple of days, you know, during the mid-season break. Yeah. Um, so after the mid-season break, I came in and we trained in Selbridge um, and it was, yeah, just came over for a couple of days and it just didn't go home from then. Um, you were loan initially, Danny, was it? No, no, I was a free agent. I just come over on a two-day trial. Me and there was another English lad, and I think there was, I think there was a couple of other lads, but it was me and the English lad, other English lad. Um, they offered some at two. Uh, he didn't, he didn't end up coming out here, but I said, I just said, yeah, happy days, definitely. Did they got to fifty games with um, Pat? What was your impression of the league when you got over here? Um. I mean, the, you're, you're the, the defenders weren't as br- as brutal as the lower league in England. That was one thing. It was only really when I first came over. It was, I think it was the Bow centre half. I think Ken O'Man played Big J, and um, Brian Shelley was there. Here he was obviously fullback and whatever. Um, and I just they're the only team that you played against. And I thought, fucking hell, these these are just absolute machines like bullies. Um, but other than that, then you come you come up against some defenders and you're like, these can't be real. <laughs> oh. uh, so I mean, you, you, then what, where are you? Did you come directly? You didn't come directly from Grimsby, did you? No, nah, I had I had a few months at Alfred and it sort of like opened my eyes to non-league and thought I need to sort myself out here, otherwise I won't be playing football for much longer. It was an absolute shambles. Right, um, from an organisational perspective or the setup, of- just yeah, just everything about it. It was just not for me, really. Like I say, I'd gone from being at Grimsby since nine year old um, yeah. till I think it was twenty two, and then obviously a different club. It was part time, and it was just I just want for me. I just knew that I had to really get back into full time football. Otherwise, I think I'd just have filtered out completely. And you, but you hit the ground. Uh, fairly quickly, you hit the ground running when you joined Pats, didn't you? It was a uh, I, I, yeah, I started okay. It took me a little bit. I want starting every week, and it was just there was a couple of things like, I've, like you know yourself. I've always had issues like people on about me weight and stuff. And when I was like first coming through, there was oh, we need you to do this, do that, and it was. I went home and for a weekend I come back and I had a bit of a fallout with Pete, and I was just like, "Fuck this! I'm off home. I'm not coming back." And anyway, I managed to sort it out, and then from then. I say I finished the season quite well. I was only over for obviously the second half of the season, but no, I, I, once I got into it and played a few games and, and like got my first couple of goals, it was just like full steam ahead. Then I obviously knuckled down, and it was like first time living away from home and everything, going from like a little town like Grimsby to big city life of Dublin, living with lads. It was a whole new experience for me that. You had a very good side at that at St. Pass that time as well, though, Danny, didn't you? Yeah, it, yeah, it was to be honest with you. Like the second year, um, two thousand eleven, we <laughs> we had a good team, but I don't think like Pete and Giller um, used it to our to their full advantage. Like we in training, like Monday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, or whatever, we we'd pop the ball about, and it was like enjoyable. And then come to the Sat Friday night, as it was at Pats. Um, it was like it was like panic stations from them. They didn't want to like let us express. They'd rather just like get it up the other end of the pitch and then play from there. I remember like we'd have like you, you, they give the team talk and we'd come out and Bradza was like our main man really, like the playmaker. We'd have the huddle before the game and he'd just be like, 
fucking don't listen to them. So we're good, <laughs> we're good players. We get the ball down and play. And, and to be fair, we did at times. Like we, for, I think because we weren't full time, it well not classed as full time. It was like we we did well. Um, but no, we we were organised and say me. I played up front with Daryl Kavanagh, and it was like we, we got we live we lived together as well. That was an experience, and um, and it was just it was just madness. And, and say we played well really well together. Where did, where did you finish the first season you were there? First season, well, when I when I signed, they were top, and when come the end of the season, I think we finished fifth. <laughs> <laughs> That's the North um, and we have, we only got in Europe because Fingal went bust. So right, yeah. technicality. Yeah. So um, that's enough about Pats. So <laughs> how? Um, so what led to the the move west or northwest? North by northwest. Um. Just uh, Cookie got in touch with me. Well, uh, to be fair, Pete Mann said uh, pulled me before one of the last games and just was like, uh, "Paul Cook's interested." I'd had a good game against you in. I'd say halfway through the season. Um, and I think that obviously stuck out in his mind a bit. And he, he rang me, I think it was just before your cup final. Um, we finished on the Friday. I had a phone call on the Tuesday. Um, All right, lad, do you want to come over then? All that shite, usual <laughs> cookie spiel. And uh, just sorted it out and ended up, I think you, I think it was the end of November I came over um, Morris met me at the airport and that full fully kitted out and stuff. Uh, just went from there, really. <laughs> that's probably the best. Uh, we've had a few uh, cookie impression attempts. Uh, Danny did one last week, but that's by far the best. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, that's not bad because Keno and that's good at them, you know. Oh, we should have we got out to him. We got out. Yeah, Keno's good. He's got plenty of stories about him as well. I was only with Cookie for what, two weeks? Yeah. That's, you came at a really, really strange time for Rovers, Danny. What did you make of the whole situation when it went down with Cookie? Um, obviously, I was buzzing to sign. I was like, you look at the squad that we had. And to be honest with you, the main player I was looking forward to play with was Richie Ryan. And then he, he fucked off, didn't he? <laughs> so, um, but no, it was, I was buzzing to come in. And first, I think the fit, one of the first sessions we had was out at Strand Hill. It was these like mad runs, and it was obviously I'm used to the weather over in Grimsby along the sea, like, and it was just wind, rain, and the lads were just like, "Look, get used to this, pal." It's like, oh, all right, okay. But yeah, so we had like we had a couple of weeks, and in that couple of weeks, he was class. Um, you had obviously like the likes of Kino and that, just like pissing the running, and I've never been one for like these long runs and stuff. It just wasn't for me, but he was great. Like he says, "Look, I know." He says, "I don't care where you're finishing the running, as long as you finish it." That was music to my ears, that, you know. And and then, like I say, was it two weeks into pre-season or something? And See you later. Did you have any inkling, like, did you have a squad of any inkling that he was leaving? Or was it really sprung on you? Um, I don't I don't think we did. I, the lads knew him on a more of a personal level, like the lads that have been there a while. But And there was always, like, I think there was always links that he was going at one place or the other and it never happened. And then... We got a little, I think it was like a little whisper just saying, yeah, um, he might be off. And next thing you know, gone. Didn't mm-hmm. say bye. Go No, I think it was just, we turned up for training one morning and that was it. We, it was announced he'd left and he was over in England for talks with Atwell. Agreed with Accrington, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the new man came in. Uh, were you worried about how... Um, 
well, I mean, obviously, you probably had a couple of, um, you are probably a little bit worried about what was going to happen, um, considering he wasn't the person who brought you over to, um, to the showground. So when Barraclough came in, what was your what were your thoughts? Or did you settle in quickly enough under him? Yeah, I'd known him. I'd knew him anyway. Um, I'd, I'd put, when, I went, when I left Grimsby at first, I went on trial at Scunny when like Nigel Atkins was the manager and Barrow was first team coach and stuff. Um, so I'd known him from being involved in there for a, a couple of months. Um, so when he when he got the job, I was like a bit of a relief for myself because he knew what I was about, um, and that was like a like a head start, I suppose, on some some players. But like before he got it. Obviously, I think Cookie brought Fos- is it Ian Foster? Yeah, he used to be Dundalk yeah. manager. He brought him in as his assistant. And I think Cookie sort of knew that he was going and hoping that Fozzie would get the job at Sligo. Um, didn't work out like that. And and Jerry took pre-season and all pre. I think we had about six or seven games. And literally, I was playing one half. Raf was playing the other. Raf was starting one game. I was starting the other half. You know, it was didn't get really much of a rhythm. And it was obviously it was. No one knew what was going on. You had Quigs in the mix as well. And it was like, oh, I didn't come here just to like play 45 minutes a game. You want to, you come to a new club, you want to be playing as much as you can, getting yourself ready for the season. But say when, when Barra came in, it was like, oh, happy days. He knows he knows what I'm about. Hopefully that'll stand me in good stead. When, when um, managers or coaches have a go at you about whatever it might be, whether it's your... Uh, weight, whatever it is, do are you were you bothered about that, or did you have confidence in your own? Were you like, were, were you thinking I'm good enough? Just get me on the pitch, and I'm good enough. Or was that something that played in your mind? Um, it, to be honest with you, the best spell I had in football was probably the first year, like my last year at Pats and my first year at Sligo, um, and that was well, especially the year at first year at Sligo was well, me three years at Sligo really. Um, Barra didn't really get on to me much. He just sort of knew like, I wouldn't take the piss with it. And I always worked hard and I was doing training with Paul Stewart, who was our like strength and conditioning guy. But like other managers are like you're on top of you, on it and on it. And it just grinds you down. And at the end of the day, if managers aren't, I don't know if it sounds shit or not, but like if managers aren't changed me at, from 18, 19 to 24, 25, I'm not going to change now. Do you know? It's just how I am. And I've always played like it. And, if I'd have, if I had a lost weight and I'd have like lost a bit, it might have changed me completely from being the sort of player I was. Did you rupture ligaments at moment? Yeah, um, yeah. Pardon? How long did that keep you out for? Uh, Eleven months. From from when I did it to my first start back. Um, yeah, eleven months. Yeah. How far into the season was that again, Danny? That was European game. Missed the penalty and then done my cruciate twenty minutes later. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Like it's it was just one of them things. I don't you look back on it and was it like preventable or whatever? And I don't, I don't know. Like at the time it was I'd just got new boots. I'd wore them the day before and I'd never wore these sort of boots, like always wore Nike boots and whatever, but um these were like the new CTR CTR ones and wore them in training the day before and we didn't do much. We just had like a little bit of shape and, and keep ball and stuff. And then in the game and it was like was it them? The pitch was dry as a bone. Did it just, or was it just like pure like chance? I'm looking at you know what I mean. But it's one of them things. Well, what was, what was the feeling like when we won the league? You know, you were sitting in the stand and you knew yourself how much you contributed, and we wouldn't have been there without 
your contribution. But what was? Did it still feel the same? Um, you weren't on the pitch for when we won it. I celebrated the same. I know that much for the week <laughs> or so after. <laughs> but no, it was. I found it tough um, in the lead up to like coming up to when you know, like, hang on a minute, we, we're going to win this. Like before the Pats game, it, I was by the Pats game and that I was fine. I just like, you just, your head's on and I'm just like, please boys, let's just do it. But like the games where you're tonking, I think we beat you at a 4-0, battered use it. Like battering teams at home and you're like, I'd have a fucking handful here. Like, and just not been able to play that part after I've started so well. It was, yeah, I found it tough, definitely. Yeah. Um, but like I say, to what, like when it comes to the, the actual nitty gritty of it, where, the main game, it was like, come on, lads, just please just do it. Let's not drag this out. Let's just get it done as early as we can. And just Shit yourself like the rest of us. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Like, <laughs> you tune, you tune it up at half time and you're like thinking, this is it. And then you come out and they score two straight away and you're like, the whole mood just dropped. And yeah. to be fair, I can't, I can't, I don't know who the ref was that day, but he's done us a favour with the penalty. But... Yeah, it was the linesman who flagged that. Uh, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a, a male. Oh, it was. Front. It was just like it was. They're the games you want to play, and obviously, but yeah, it was just like that day. The emotions that everyone went through from like, I think the ground was full like for half hour, forty five minutes before kickoff. Which usually you're coming in to warm up, and there's just that cork tom in them in the ground. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. unreal. Yeah. Danny, you know, we've spoken before in the pod here with, with Venture and, and Keno and that about how tight-knit you were and everything as a group. Yeah. But just going back to your injury and that, did it hurt in the fact that Quigley got so much praise afterwards in terms of, you know, with us going on to win the league, but you had done so much before that? You had led the line for a score so many goals. Like you were the main man. There was no two ways about that. And then yeah. that kind of the focus to switch over to Quigley. Is that a bit of... Bit of, a, I think bit of a sour taste for you, or um, not not so much sour. I just like I say, he done it at the business end, Danny. When like when titles get won and awards get awarded, and it was like, but people do like it's nice to when people do say, well, Quigs did this, but if it weren't for you, we wouldn't we wouldn't have been in that position and whatever. Like it it was well, it was tough at times, but at the end of the day, like the lads, I know, like like the lads appreciated what I'd done and. Quigs, Quigs himself did, you know, he was he, he was dead and buried up until the summer. Yeah. He just everything was going on. And then luckily for us, it's it's kicked in and he's absolutely ran the show for three or four months, you know. It was uh, someone had to step up, I suppose. And luckily he did. We drop on a wee bit um the game against Rosenberg, or the two games against Rosenberg. What was the squad thinking or what was the kind of the attitude among the squad before the first game um, before you before you travelled over there, did you did you look around and think that you've got a quality of player? A, this group is a certain quality that you could actually do something over there. Uh, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think if you like year on year, I think the squad got progressively like weaker from from obviously building up through the years to when we won the league, and then you lose a couple of players and you lose a couple more, and it's I don't know. It was, I guess, budgets played the part and whatever. But like you, around that time, it was weird because obviously Barraclough had been sacked, or whatever you want to call it. And like I was, I was absolutely gutted at that. And I think a lot of people were as well. Um, you're going over to to play them, who obviously are a massive name club. Um, but no, I just think we just got everything right on the day, and and it was 
surreal really you, like you say you're going over there you're just thinking we just need to stay in it ne- never mind win away from home yeah um obviously that's what we did it was but it, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't a case that um like it wasn't a case that you got lucky it wasn't a case that you were hanging on um like we, yeah. were by, we were by far the better team on the day oh definitely like i say everything just seemed to go right and you look at i don't know like you look at the um, like Rory Keating went through late on and I think he hit it straight at the keeper. You three one up, like Gaz punched it and to Dave call his back. And, you know, you just look at scenarios in the game. We could have come out with an even better result. Like, and if it had been fully deserved as well. Fast forward then to... What do you remember about your goal there? I just remember... I've watched it enough, by the way. Um, <laughs> like most of the goals. <laughs> um, no, I just... I remember getting hold of the ball early, like... And it like bouncing up and it's come out and we've got we've got the ball and it's come out to I think it was John Russell that got it. And he's like played this ball. And you've just seen Dave Corley down the right wing, like fucking Ronaldo. And I thought, there's only one place he can put this. And the day before we was doing like shape and a ball's been put across and I've hit it wide from the same position, like open goal. And like it's coming across, and you're thinking, oh, please, please, please. And I get there and obviously smashed it in, and it's just like, what is going on here? <laughs> it was madness. It really was. It was ace. What, what was the feeling like? Um, a bit like at the time, I don't really know. It was just like, obviously, we had the little contingent in the corner, didn't we? And everyone's just running, and everyone's come across, and you've seen them jumping down the stairs and to come to and it's just like this is unbelievable like we're actually beating like Rosenberg that was 2-0 at the time wasn't it yeah yeah. and it's like it, it what is like what is going on do you know we're beating this famous European team away from home 2-0 and rightly so and it's like is this happening you know it's, it was just it was just crazy and we fucked it away ourselves in the second leg well you know we got to, I was just going to get on to the second leg there was, there was a similar buzz there was a similar buzz around the showgrounds that day, I felt, as there was against um, Pats the day we won the league. Obviously, we didn't have the, the stand behind um, at the Nazareth House end that was empty, but there was a serious buzz around the place. And, you know, 13 minutes into the game, and uh, we've taken the lead thanks to another Danny North goal. Uh, so are you thinking, this is fucking piss easy, is it? I'm like, I'm made for your fear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not, I've not scored in Europe until... Um... Until we played that banger at home in in the second leg of the round before, and then obviously I'd scored scored then scored away and I scored at home. I thought I'm on a, I'm on a roll here. This I don't want this to end. Um, and like I say, we I've watched this goal enough as well. Where like it's gone into Paul O'Connor in the middle and it's like bouncing up around. He's recycled it to Seamus out to Keno and he's crossed it. Dave Cole is breaking his bollocks to get in and it's deflected just to the back post. I don't know if I was offside or not. But it's just coming. It's it's hit the net, and I've just turned round, and everyone's just come absolutely nuts in that stand. And I'm like, I'm made for this. <laughs> it was like it was unbelievable, and like, the, like I say, all the lads all over here, like you can hear them going, like the whole stadium going wild. And it's like, what's going on? Like we'd say, we're we're three one up on aggregate. We're, we're going through. And then their, their right winger just ripped Ross Gaynor up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it, it was. It, so what happened? Like, what? I mean, they did really turn it on, didn't they? But is it the pressure of 
the crowd that's in the showgrounds or is it just that they just fucking turned it up a couple of gears or you know what, what was it not usually in that position I don't, th- I don't think it was down to like the pressure of the fans though because I don't really think we'd ever we was ever put under massive pressure um, it was like I say they've, they've turned it on a bit and I know I missed a chance in the second half and it's like I can't believe it but um, and fucking Dermot Kelly come out and blame me for it like but Never mind. Um, but no, they like I say they just turned it on. They scored. They scored a couple of goals, and they just turned it on its head. And you're like, we've gone from such a great position. I was like thinking we're going to. T- I think it was Turkey the next round. I'm I'm like packing me factor fifty already. Do you know, like, my skin's not made for over there. <laughs> you think we were tactically naive, Danny? Pardon? You think we were tactically naive that day instead of, you know, instead of. Yeah, possibly. Possibly, I think. I think because of like John and Jimmy, like old school English mentality, um, lower league football. They they just wanted us to carry on pressing, going after them, and going for more. And it's like you free one up in Europe. You've got to like be clever about clever about it. And like I said, you're, you're probably right. Like a bit naive, and I don't think we we didn't sit in for definite. We didn't sit in, and it's obviously it's cost us in the end. But Danny, going back, sorry, going back a wee bit in time then to when uh, Elding came across. Yeah, yeah. How, how was that for you? Because you you played with Elding before. No. Did you know? No, no. I knew I knew of him um, through right. through through friends. Um, like I said, I was halfway through my injury then, and it, Quigs had gone. Needed obviously needed other strikers. So no, I was I I sort of uh, pushed the move on. To be honest with you. Um, a lad that I was at Grimsby with texted me saying Elds is looking to come out to Ireland. So I've spoke to Barra and said, oh, Anthony Elden wants to come over. Um, he said, oh yeah, I've heard about him. Um, I'm going to be chatting with him. And then obviously it happened. So I was like, obviously happy that we got another striker. And I thought, he's, he's different to how I play anyway. He's a completely different striker. Um, the first day he was in, we'd gone to the Clarion. But if you know, it's gone to the Clarion. Like I know Danny said, we used to meet there every day. And Joey's got his handshakes with everyone, and everyone's got a different handshake. But if you knew, he'll come up to you and be like, "Go to shake your hand." And as you go for it, he'll just pull away, walk off, and you're like, "It's the cringiest thing you'll ever see." On uh, you know it's coming, and I'm just turning away on the bike like that. And uh, so he's gone. Oh no, no, I'm only joking, Els. And he's gone to do it again, and he's fucking pied Els again. Els is like, I'm "Not having this." Onto the changing room. I was like, "Come on, mate! He's only joking." I like, fuck this. I'm done. I'm not. I'm not having this. So I drove from the Clarion. Obviously, I was injured, so I wasn't going to be training anyway. Got his all his stuff. I dro- drove back to Riverstown from the Clarion. My missus and his missus like having a coffee with the kids and stuff at his house. And we've come home and they're like, "What are you doing home?" I'm like, "Uh," and he's gone. I'm done. We're going home. Pack the car. I got on the ferry. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. He got on the ferry. Then a couple of and days how did later, get him back. Couple of days, I think Barra must have rang him, and Joey probably had to ring him and <laughs> got him back. Yeah, and then I'm sure. I'm not even joking, mate. I'm sure when it happened again, he's come in and Joey's gone up to him. Like, I'm sorry, and just pied him again. <laughs> I'm sure. Definitely went home anyway. But honestly, I'm driving. He was like, I don't. Elder, like, I don't care what he, he's played in World Cups. It's like, I've had a good career. I'm not having people take the piss out of me. <laughs> 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 oh. 
Uh, great times. That's brilliant. You never, you never really got to forge that partnership. Everyone thought you were going to, which is a yeah. real pity because we obviously seen glimpses of it and the most famous glimpse of all, yeah. the cup final. Yeah, yeah. No, that was hurt a little bit that you didn't get to that run of games together. It, yeah, it did, and I think we we played a couple of games and we and we played all right, but Barraclough liked to play like one up front, mm. um, so there was always going to be me or him I suppose and obviously I was coming back from injury after the break it was I think my first game back was away in Waterford and I come on for like five minutes um, so I was in and out of the team a lot in 2013 like getting back at it and say so I found it tough like coming back from a new knee basically um, and we played obviously I don't think we could finish any higher in the league we finished third didn't we yeah. um, so the last two games Barraclough like changed it all round and everyone's going to get a chance to have a start in the next two games to warrant a place. The only two that didn't was me and Marty Owen. So you sort of have an idea coming up to the cup final. Well, if I'm not starting, then uh, I don't think I'm going to be fucking starting in the final, am I? Because I come on in the last game away at Shamrock Rovers and scored and um, beat them 2 1. Brushy was in goal for them. Um, so I thought right, I've sort of done all right there. Hopefully that's enough and what I've done in the past. But Want to be? We we trained on the Saturday, um, on on the showgrounds, and he's named the team before. And whoa, I wasn't happy at the most best of times, but fucking hell, it was it was tough, like definitely. And like I had the senior boys around me, but the last thing you need to be hearing in it when you've just been told you're not going to be starting in the biggest game of the season. Like, oh, keep your head, you'll get a chance. And I'm like, nah, no, I won't. <laughs> you know, just proper sulking, but what it is, wasn't it? It worked out in the end, anyway. Yeah, I've, me and Dave Corley roomed together and both of us were on the bench. So that night, um, we'd like had a walk, got to the shop, put film on, didn't talk to each other in the room. I get on, I get on great with Dave, but like we was both obviously fuming and just like didn't want to be there. Just big bottle of Coke, crisps, sweets, chocolate, just watched loads <laughs> of like shit films and thought that was it. Didn't even talk, just watched the films, went to bed. And then, like, the next day we were fine, you know, you get over it because yeah. it's the occasion then. But for that Saturday, like, we did a bit of shape and it was just like, you're using me here. <laughs> and, and talk, uh, us through, talk us through those goals with Joey and that free kick. Yeah, so, it's, but just, be, it's just we set the scene, but I suppose it is, uh, it's 1-1 at that stage, isn't it? You scored the second goal. Uh, who, who scored the opener, for, or who got the first goal for Rovers? Me. Oh, yeah. Danny, I told him, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Fucking hell. Sorry. Tell us about the first goal. Yeah, so obviously I'd come on at 1 0 for Raf. Um, and we'd obviously had a lot of pressure. They were defending a one goal lead, weren't they? And we, we got a corner. And oh, Joey's. Corner. Yes. Yeah, Joey's whipped it in, and Elder's gone to like flick it on. But it's like come off him, it, it Alan Byrne. And it's just fell to me at the back post and I've just managed to like sort of like side swivel it and just volley it in. And it was like, just, you know, when someone just falls to you and you know, like, I'm not missing this. Um, yeah, and it just, everyone went mad. And So Barraclough's gone two, he's brought you one, he's gone two up front, is that right? Yeah. You're yeah, we had, yeah, it was pretty much a front four. We had Greener on, we had Deej on, and then obviously me and Elds. Um, and to be fair, we just went for it and it, Paid off. Um, I think was it Keno that won the free kick for the second one. 
He just went on one of his mazy runs and fell fell over and had a goal. Dave, Joe. Oh, blatantly, it's like it was terrible looking back at it. <laughs> Is that something you've done before? Yeah, we did it. We we did it against Limerick um, in the showgrounds. And it's like he's flicked it over. And the first one, I've managed to get to it. Bradza was marking me, obviously, old teammate and manager for a bit. Um, and I've like sort of like caught it, he's blocked it and he's turned his back and I've managed to get on the end of it. So it's just one of them things. Um, I've said when when the free kick, was, when it happened, um, I've gone I've gone to like, everyone gives Joey credit. I'm taking credit for all this, by the way. <laughs> I went to Joey, I said, let's do it. And he didn't even acknowledge it. So like, Joey, Joey, you don't know what he's going to do. So Keno's like looking for a ball down the side. I was like, Keno, fucking get out wide, you know, give me some space. And you can see like um, when Ross has come on for the free kick and Deej has stood over it, Ross is, and you can see Deej say to Ross, Joey's going to play Norfolk. So I'm like, I watched, I watched it, obviously watch it back and stuff. And I still get nervous watching it. I don't know why, in case like I miss kick it or something. I'm like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, it just, it like I'm stood, Cassidy was marking me and you can see me looking and I've seen just out the corner of my eye, Joey flicking, I thought, so it's come over and like, as the day was going, could not have hit it any cleaner. It should have been disallowed because he didn't blow the whistle, but yeah. no, I was going to ask you that. Were you, were you aware of that at the time? No, I've looked round because I didn't know if I was offside or something, you know, because they were all starting to go mad. Shirts come off and whatever, um, only because they had Under Armour on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I say, it's, he's not he's not giving. And I, I speak, to, I've spoke to Paul Tube quite a bit. We ended up having a night out in Sligo randomly one night. Um, <laughs> And he's like, he always hammers me for it. He's like, I've won you that final, you fucker. He said, I've never, I can't live it down. I'm like, cheers, mate. And uh, uh, well, yeah, I, th- I don't think, I think if anybody was offside, um, it was um, it was Elding. You would, you mm. definitely went offside. But uh, so, you know, that was an incredible, that was an incredible day. Does that rank up there? So obviously, the shit starts. Of the day, I'd say before was a shit start to the cup final for you. Where did it rank in your in your overall Sligo Rovers memory bank? Um, up there, definitely. Probably, I'd say there's there's that. There was the Rosenborg goal at home, um, and then probably lifting the Satanta Cup. To be honest with you, really. Oh, definitely. Like, because I've been captain a bit that year, the, the 2014. So Kino was out, Piersy was out, and I don't think Joey was asked about having the captaincy. So I, I, he gave me it, and I was like, obviously, I was absolutely honoured. I was buzzing for it. That was, um, that was important to you. Yeah, massively. Yeah, it just showed you that, like, I was. He thought I was because I was only like 26 at the time, I think. So, like, and you've got like experienced players around you and stuff. I was just like, this is unbelievable. Like, to be fair to Barra, like he was playing me on the right mid, left mid at times. But for him, I'd have ran, I'd have played, played in golf for him. Do you know, I really would. I'd have played right back wherever you put me. And like I say, with the armband, it was might have only been for I don't know ten games or whatever. But that ten games, it was ace. And like in the final, he gave it to Joey. I was fuming at first, you know, like he and Joey come off injured. So then I had it, and then we we obviously we won. And like Piers and Keane were like, "No, we aren't. you, 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 you and Joey go up." And Joey was like, "Go on, you have it." I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> it was amazing." 
And Danny, just going back there, did you have a good relationship with Barrett Love? I know you the obviously the you would have the spot for the cup final. Yeah, but I, yeah, I did. I um <laughs> I had a fair fair bit of moaning with him. Um not not like on a personal level, just to do with football, but no, I I uh, I got on great with him, and like I say, we found out he got let go during the mid-season break by a text off Rory Houston, um, just saying, "Oh, um, he's been relieved. Um, we'll announce a manager in due course." I'm sat at my grand's like, "What is going on?" And then on the Friday morning, they announced John Coleman. I was like, "This is a bit iffy." This, <laughs> you know, they obviously had it all in the pipeline, you know. Yeah, which I suppose. Everyone does. If you're getting rid of a manager, they're not just going to get rid of someone and then look, are they? I don't think. But no, my relationship with him was class, and I got on with him like out of out, out outside of like the football as well, which I think is important, really. Yeah. What yeah. are your What are your memories of the Santa Cup final? It was a fucking shocking day. Weather. Oh, the weather. I just remember we got Paulie scored, didn't he? Paul O'Connor scored. Yeah. And. We, we held our own, but I think that was when Dundalk was starting to really kick on as a team and, and like, basically dominate Ireland, didn't they? Um, and I think we was, like, up against it a bit, but just, I think I played right wing that game for for most of it. Greener was up front. Um, but, no, the weather was absolutely mental. Um, but, say, it was, it was completed it, didn't it, really? Like, obviously, the last, was it the last trophy? Yeah, yeah. the last time that was won, yeah. Yeah, so no, it was like I say for me, lifting it was like unbelievable, even if it was in talent, like in front of like not a lot of people compared to like the FAI Cup. But no, it was ace, it wasn't like I say, we celebrated that one well and all. <laughs> Danny, you talk about uh, the team there and how it was developing in that, and it's kind of going into a steady decline, really, in terms of personnel being signed. And that was that yeah. frustrating from going from the quality side that won the league that was just oozing with talent to then go into that side. It did win the Satanta Cup, but you could see the weak links throughout the squad then. Yeah, I think I think if you look, the year I signed and who else signed along with me, it was like that squad then. I don't like, you obviously have Dundalk who like Shamrock Rovers gone and beaten this year and the team we had in a one-off game, we'd have back like the Dundalk team that got to Europe the first time round and Cork when they won the double and stuff. Our team, I, I genuinely think, hands down, we've been battered. I really do like the quality of the squad we had. Even like your sub keepers, you had Brushy as a sub keeper for most of the year. Then you had Tracky, you know, looking lead in his boots, but he could save a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just I think just the, just the whole squad in general was class. And then, like you say, one or two leading that year, then the others lit. Like Danny was probably the biggest loss in my eyes. You've gone from like your leader, um, captain of the club, and just all around top guy, and he leaves, and it's like wow, it's, you've lost like a massive part of the club, not just your team, like the whole club, and obviously all this contingent that come over all the time. <laughs> so, so what did you like? Obviously, we had Danny on last week, and he said the one question you have to ask Danny North. Uh, we had Danny Venturi on last week just <laughs> for the first time. And he said the one question um, that we had to ask you was what did he do with the 2013 FAI Cup outside the cinema in Swaggers Town? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so 
obviously the lads had the trophy through like the day and the night and whatever. And we're walking through, was it near the, was it near the cinema? We, more than one place probably. And we just, I just want, just don't know, don't know why. Obviously you're, you're off your nut, aren't you? And like everyone's buzzing and you're on a high. And I just had the trophy in my hand. I was just like, lads, catch that. So we just started launching it round, round Sligo. And the traffic lights, you know, I think it's the, not the road near the ground. The one the, is it the next one along the train station, that street round there? Wine Street. Yeah, it's like a crossroads, isn't it? The main road going all the way along. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Left the trophy in the middle of the road and just went. And like cars were like stopping, swerving round it, and not like walking along the houses along some of the streets. Not go run, leave the trophy on the fucking <laughs> run. Just madness. And then I wasn't involved in this bit now. Um, in what was the student nightclub? Clarence. Envy. Nah. Is it? Oh, fucking hell. Clarence, though. No? Is it pure? No, not pure. Pure. Uh, yeah, pure. Pure, yeah. Pure. Pure chase. Yeah. 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 yeah, so I went there, so. But apparently, um, a few of the lads, because the top got bent and everything. <laughs> so, obviously... The club were like fuming, and no one was like, everyone was like, don't know what you're on about. <laughs> Fucking volleying it through the street. Um, and there was in the nightclub, and they had like lined up, they like bowling. It was like the lads lined up, and there was a certain left back, um, won't name him, from Connemara or somewhere, um, bowling it through the nightclub, and all the lads <laughs> falling down and everything. <laughs> And the next day we got phone calls off the club saying um, the trophy's been like bad and what has been going on. And it was like, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. So so um it's been it's been an impressive career, really, when you think about it. Uh, appearances in Wembley, uh, the Aviva Stadium. Uh, as I mean, you you're still playing you're still playing football. Who who are you playing with at the moment? You're playing uh, so you're, you're kind of local, yeah, like a, in a regional league for called Nunsfork Tavern. So, um, but when you look back, um, when you look back, do you kind of pinch yourself from time to time to think you did what you did and you played who you played and you played with some of the players that you played with, you were involved in some of the goals that you were involved in? Do you, you know, do you, do you pinch yourself from time to time? Yeah, I look back, I always look back at time, like every now and then. Um, because what when you when you're in the, in the moment and stuff, you sort of like take it for granted. You take it for granted a bit, like it's just uh, just another day, another game, another goal. Obviously, the the I don't know the magnitude of the goal and all that. You celebrate it probably a bit differently, but you look back and it's like my eldest daughter. She understands a bit more because she was she was born just before we moved to Sligo, so she's like come through and seen bits and bobs of it. But my youngest don't have a clue. So like obviously, oh babe, look how good I was on this. I used to be good, you know, <laughs> and she just don't care. But, uh, but no, I look. Yeah, I say I look back and like when I moved to Ireland, I didn't. I honestly didn't know what to expect, um, and like it don't get it didn't get the respect it deserved. People think, oh, I left Grimsby and that's it. Then I didn't play ever again, you know, unless yeah. the unless they sort of know a bit about football. Like I've seen people around Grimsby like, oh, what are you doing? We say, oh, I've been in Ireland. Oh, have you? And you're like, Jesus, how do you not know this? You know. But, yeah. but no, it's like coming over to Ireland, the experiences I've had, wouldn't have got them playing lower league in England. I know that much. Yeah. 
Uh, listen, you did you did some other things after you left um, Sligo. We won't go into any details there. Uh, we won't. Uh, yeah, we can go into it. I don't mind. We all make mistakes in life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like I say, yeah, that's true. But no, to be fair, like up until like I say, up until Barraclough got sacked, I was like it's the happiest I've ever been in football, and. Yeah. And then even with John Coleman, to be fair, I, that's, that was his top scorer for the short space of time he was there. And he uh, he pulled me and was like, I want to offer you. And like he knew Shamrock Rovers were looking. So I said, right, OK. And he's pulled me in the office. Like, oh, I want to give you a new deal. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, that's great. I says, just give me a two-year contract so I can have like the stability rather than worrying like next season, oh, I'm going to be moving on. He's like, yeah, no problem leave it with us in the next couple of weeks. So three or four weeks went by and nothing happened. And I'm like, right, okay. So obviously in this time, Sligo had turned down an offer from Shamrock Rovers and we ended up with Eamon Zayed for a bit. Um, but they turned it down. So I was like, obviously I was happy to stay because I was still scoring goals and it was going well. And say a month went on and uh, I've pulled him and said, look, what? Is anything happening? He's like, I need more from you. I was like, right, okay. I thought, I was like, I've scoring for you. What, what, I need more of this and that. And we played like, I think we had a reserve game and he played like the lads who weren't playing. And then me and Amo up front and it's like, we play every week and you're playing us midweek, just, I don't know, to prove a point. And then he fucked off. Um, so I'm like, where does this leave me? Do you know, it's a bit. And then season went on last few weeks and like it wasn't enjoyable at the time because it was just, I don't know, it was just an absolute mess what was going on. And me, I, I was... It proper like I was like hating football because of what's gone on. I've been messed around. Like I, obviously at the time I had like family to look after and stuff as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm like I didn't know what was going on. My head was all over the shop, and uh, I went. Next thing you know, Jeff signed a new contract. Dave Corley, a few of the lads. So I've gone in. I think oh, what's his name? Did Joe Burns. Joe Burns. Yeah, yeah. I think Frank, he was Frank. He was a chairman at the time for a bit. Anyway, after Dermot. Yeah. God, anyway, so we, um, I've gone into him and I said, what's going on? He's like, right. I said, I'm meant to be getting a new contract. Lads are signing. I've not even been asked. I said, what's what's happening? So he, uh, he's like, right, look, he says, we'll have to, the new manager will be coming in. Um, and if you get a new contract, it'll be if, if he wants you. And I'm like, are you taking the piss? He said, and if it is, and I said, like, I've been off, offered a two-year contract. I've not heard of it since. He said, if it will be, it'll be less money, one-year contract maximum. That's what we're doing. I was like, I said, you lots have had me fucking pants down here. I said, going from that to that, I said, right, okay. And obviously we found out, I think, before the last game or just after that Owen Eary was getting the job. Um, and we all had meetings. And I, obviously I had my meeting, Dykes, he was in there. And he just asked, he was like, they say all the right things to the usual shite. And he's like, you're a goal scorer, this. And I said, great, I says, am I going to be playing up front? Because a lot of last year, I played out of position. I said, I don't mind doing a job. I said, but predominantly, I'm a striker and I'm paid to score goals. Ah, yeah, that's it. So I went home at the end of the season. Lads were getting signed back, no phone call. Three weeks later, I'm like, rang him, didn't answer. So I was like, right. And then he's tried ringing me. I thought, fuck this. I'll ignore it for a bit. Anyway, spoke to him and he just, it just wasn't a good vibe, really. And I'd rather him just said to me in the meeting, I don't like, I want to go elsewhere. So like I say, in the meantime, I've got to look after myself. So I met Pat Fenlon in Longford and pretty much agreed straight away. He was happy for what he was saying. He wanted, made an effort pretty much to want me when Owen Eary was going the other way. And I remember getting, flying over to Tallaght because I'd be obviously back home 
And I rang Harry in the morning. And I said, look, so just out of courtesy and let you know I'm signing for Shamrock Rovers. He went, oh, is there anything we can do to try and keep you? I went, nah, job's done, mate. All the best. And he was like, all right, bye. Fucking wanker. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's why I left pretty much. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, you know, what happened to that team, obviously the new manager, he wanted to bring in a load of his own guys, play yeah. for the new, and it just, it never worked. It absolutely fell in its face, really, with, um, with Harry as manager. But um, Yeah, but we're like, at the end of the day, it's fair enough he wants his own players, but rather just be honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the main thing, like, and it was, I just, it just, it, it like I say, it annoyed me. So once, towards the end of that season, when that was happening, I sort of knew in my head, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'll be here next year. And it's just, it's hard to like focus then, you know, because you don't want to be shit, but the team, we weren't playing great anyway. And it was like I say, at the end of the season, I had a meeting and that. And to be fair, I spoke to Dykesy afterwards at the end. We had an end of season doing the glass house. And he was just like, I was speaking to him. I said, look, Dykesy, I'll be honest with you. I think I'm going to go. He was like, you need to get out of here. I was like, fucking hell, you're like, trying to keep the club together he was like nah get out he says you're the best thing you can do he says you don't want to be behind this sinking ship so I was like okay see ya yeah just it is what it is like and obviously I know a lot of people in Sligo fucking hated me for what I said like but yeah. you know what right I said I said it I said it and like this was before they even started recording and I was like oh you can fucking quote me like bantering next thing you know next morning paper I'm like Oh my god, Mrs. was like, What the fucking hell are you said? I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, he just like this is gonna kill me. And then I missed a sitter, didn't I, against you? Fucking hit it over. It'd have been my claim to fame getting set up by Damien Duff, and I hit it over. What what did you say? I said, Oh, I'm at the real rovers now. <laughs> Cringy, isn't it? Oh How's your chance to apologize? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Danny, bit, was... you got a wee bit of redemption coming back for Raf's testimonial that time. You got when I score that trick past McGinty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. A, you got a great reception that day. It was it was yeah. actually really nice to see. So it was, you know, and it, you came back with a smile on your face and everything, so it was good to see that then. Yeah, I, I, I say I loved Sligo for two and a half years. It was just the last little bit where sort of went sour, but I was gutted I couldn't play in Piers' testimonial. I came up for that, and that was class, but I was obviously injured. That was my last career-threatening injury, so... Um, yeah, it was it was, it was was class coming back. So we, I, we, well, obviously, this year we haven't been able to. But we always come back to Sligo every year, no matter what. Like We do Ireland for a week, and we see our friends around Dublin like Piersy pretty much, see them and then come up to Sligo and have a day or two in Sligo. So do it. we'll do it every year until they drop dead, really, because it was like such a massive part of my life and obviously little and growing up and stuff. But, but no, that day was unbelievable and got man on a match as well. I was in. <laughs> come here, Danny. Is there, a, is there a story around your initiation song when you joined us first? I don't know. No. What was it? Um, did, I, did I read somewhere before where, or maybe it wasn't and you were out you were out for karaoke oh yeah you you, <laughs> you were just signed yeah me and Brushy sang God Save the Queen yeah you fucking remember that now yeah I couldn't do it on my own we had like bread rolls thrown at us and everything yeah <laughs> we, and then and then you sang and then you sang something different I can't remember what I sang after you that say, 
uh, Ronan Keaton when you say nothing at all? I've got a voice of an angel, to be fair. So, <laughs> but no, I'd right, be throwing more, I mean, I mean, I more <laughs> bread rolls actually for the for the Ronan Keaton sign. Oh no, I was a ma- I'm always a massive Westlife fan, so it's the only reason I signed for Sligo. All right, that was um, former Rover striker. Uh, Danny North, great chat. That's two top guests. Um, Danny Ventry and Danny North would chat all night. You could talk to the two boys for hours and hours. Uh, but they clearly had, um, they've, they've been left with great memories, um, Sean, of their time in Sligo, haven't they? Uh, you can tell there, even the chat, chatting with Danny, he's just, he loves the town, probably loves the club. You know, he's, he's thoroughly enjoyed his time with us. So, yeah, yeah a great lad as well. And uh, some, Great stories out of them there. <laughs> I think the one with the cup is is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. good. were you pr- privy to any of these stories before this? No, 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 no. Didn't hurry any of them. Right, okay. them. It's gas, though, isn't it? Uh, people say the Irish can talk, but sure we couldn't get rid of them the last two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Listen, great to have them, and um, hopefully we'll um, we'll speak to them again in the future on the podcast. So. Um, um, like the good news this week, um, were more good news, obviously, apart from qualifying for Europe, um, finally um, it was announced that um, Ed McGinty signed a new two-year contract. That is, um, I was a little bit worried at one stage there, Magoo. I wasn't sure if uh, we'd hold on to him. Um, that, such was his quality over the season. Yeah, yeah, he's improved so much. Improved so much. And I think there was, I think, um, unsurprisingly too, to be honest with you, I think there was interest from other clubs, all right? Yeah, he was probably... He was probably weighing up his, his options. Oh, no, I don't know. I'm not saying that. Like, he maybe it was in his head the whole time to sign, but I know there was clubs did come sniffing around as far as just the talk anyway. And if you look around the league, it's it's no surprise when you see the the top keepers that would have been around the league for the last few years are getting to the end now, aren't they? Manus and Rogers and stuff. So, well, listen, maybe no, no surprise that to come looking for the up and coming keeper. Yeah. I don't think you can underestimate exactly how important it is to have him sign back because, you know, even as we're just talking there about, you know, the, the good goalkeepers in the league, if Ed was to leave, you know, to replace him would just be such, it'd be a mammoth task. Yeah, well, um, you know, a lot of people say that we have a replacement ready and waiting. Um, but obviously, um, he's not got um, he's not got the exposure that he would have wanted in this season, didn't help either. Um, but... Um, do you, what about Sean? The two-year, the, the length of the contract. I mean, do you think? Do you, what? What do you read into the length of the contract? Shows great commitment from both the club and the player. I suppose just in the times we're in, it's you know it's important that we can offer these contracts to players. You know, a one-year contract isn't worth anything to us at the moment, really. Interesting as well when you compare it to what Danny was saying about he was looking for security. Danny North. That was what yeah. he wanted was a two-year contract. But that's it, you know, that's all footballers are looking for, you know. They all have families to provide for, you know, their mortgages, whatever they need to pay. You know, they want they want a bit of stability in their lives as well. Like, Well, I think if he keeps progressing the way he is, that within the two years, he'll, you know, offers will have come in and he'll have the chance to go, I'd say. It'll yeah. just be up to him whether but, but, but also, it's the right move for him. I, I, I would say, and I don't know, I haven't... Breeze, really, but I would say he has had considerations. Otherwise, I think he would have. We would have heard um, that he signed a contract earlier than this. I'd say I'm only guessing now, but that he has had offers. But the other side of it is, as he's mentioned, like European football. Why would he? There's a strong argument for him to stay here as well, for the age that he's at, 
playing under 21 football with the national team. There's a really strong argument for the stay here as well. As, yeah, as I was saying earlier there, for the time being, there is. I'm not saying I'd, uh, I'd like to see Ed stay here for the majority of his career. That's not because I think the business model that we're, that we're looking to aspire to, as Magoo was saying, is you know develop youngsters and sell them on. And that's Ed is the prime prime example of that. This maybe you know this two year deal, if we can extend it then by another year and then sell them on, that'd be a win win all round. We'll have benefited from a top class goalkeeper for four seasons, whatever it may be, and then we get the then we get the rewards of the transfer fee from that. Yeah. Okay. Listen. Um, before we wrap things up, what can we read into um, recent social media posts from certain Slagrovers players about uh, comings and goings? Um, um, Seymour posted something on Twitter today a brief clip uh, of a nice turn in fairness to him and a nice little pinged pass at the pitch uh, is he gone? is that him saying goodbye? Uh, kind of cryptic you're, re- you're reading in between the lines aren't we all the time now with these for the, yeah. for the next few months uh, uh, it does look like a bit of a goodbye one yeah yeah he's uh, like kind of showcasing his skills for potential suitors yeah um, Timo's been our team has been posting uh, an, an homage to Sligo over the last couple of days as well on Instagram. I think he's is he is he waving goodbye as well, Magoo? I don't know. I haven't seen. I've only heard you on about it. I haven't seen any of of um, Timu's posts. But I thought. Have you seen the bike around the showgrounds? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I thought, but I thought that with Timu's post mostly throughout the year, everything is just an homage to Sligo. Over the last, no, <laughs> you know what I mean. This, no, this was a. Pictures Mullock Castle. Or, this is the best. You know what I mean? All these. Just, yeah. This is the best bits now, in fairness. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is a. You know, I think there was even a little bit of sad music thrown in at times. <laughs> but, but I think I think he's got a job with Tourism Ireland anyway, so I think he's sorted, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's got a big job up in Dublin, promoting those poor people in the West. <laughs> um, yeah. Any, any other notable uh, posts on, on Facebook or any other rumours going around? Yes, you have those crazy uh, League of Ireland ITK pages on uh, on Twitter there, I think, linking us with Michael Duffy and Dan Clary, but I think that's kind of more football manager than real life. Yeah, you'd have to wonder, like, is that, uh, yeah, you'd wonder who, you know, you have to go to the effort of setting up that account and putting them in a little picture and, you know, like it takes a bit of effort to do all that kind of, you got to, you know, you're sitting on the toilet there for 20, that's 20 minutes of somebody's life to do, put all that together. So who, who's doing this and why are they doing it? Like, you know? I don't know. Would they actually think that any reasonable-minded Rovers fan would be thinking that Michael Duffy would be a viable? Uh, well, well let me let me just let's just work through that for a second, so we go right. So why why would you say why would it be a viable option? Why would he not be a viable option? He's a Derry man, right? He's from Derry. He he probably would like to. I'm going to guess would like to be playing football in his hometown. I believe he has approached them. Um, and he asked for no, big money. The other way around, yeah. So what I've heard, Dave approached or asked about his, asked him probably about his availability because he's out of contract. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Derry are not going to stump up the money that um, he's looking for, or he's not going to get the money that he's looking for. Sligo is not a million miles away. You he know, won't get the money he's looking for here either. Yeah, but he might get something <laughs> approaching it. And if he keeps looking at Timo's posts on uh, there. On, uh, on Instagram, you see what a beautiful place it is. But th- there could there there could be some something could happen. You know, he's in the right in side. My, of the in my in, in, no, but in my view, I think I think Duffy's the best player in the league. Like so, he is, I think he he'd is, have 
without doubt the best player in the league. So he'd have his pick of not only whoever he wants to go into the League of Ireland, but up north, like Linfield, but they'll throw they'll throw big money at him. And probably lower leagues in England and Scotland. Like the, the what what the rumour was that he Derry asked about him coming back and he uh, looked for two grand sterling. Yeah. That could be all bull. Like uh, you know, nobody it's not an official source, just somebody said it in passing. Yeah. That he that he was out. But like you would well but if you're so if what, you're, what does what does two what does two grand sterling equate to in our money? Um uh, probably like twenty one, twenty two thousand. He's a dream signing. But if you're if you're the if you're the treasurer of Sligo Rovers and you think there's a possibility of signing him, do you not do everything in your power to try and get close to let's say he's looking for two grand sterling? Do you not do everything no. in your power you see, to this is, get him? No, because this is going back to what we were talking about earlier on though, that at building it slowly, building it brick by brick and not going gung ho at it. Like if you what if you were to imagine signing Duffy and you got he got a cruise shit in the first game or something. Yeah. But you're listening. And you've just you've decided I'll I'll yeah. no, I, I'll, I, I'll I'll take um we, we won't we won't sign these like how many how many good players like we're on about building the squad like how many good players would you get for the the money to pay for him? I know, but have we not had a lot of players on big wages sitting on the stands anyway? Mm. Yeah, well that's we it. Yeah, we have to be we have to be cuter. That's the, the problem. It's not that I think in two so, years' time. So here's my question. It should so, be the likes of signing Duffy. So Magoo. Um, with, with he's a cherry on the cake. You, so you're we not. Have to, signing, we, have to, we have to make the cake first. You're not signing him this year if, if he's an option. If he wants to be close to Derry, oh, Jesus Christ! Of course, I'd be signing him if he was an option. <laughs> <laughs> huh? You can't. You can't have. Look, I'm trying to have me sensible, Hal. But then you get you get offered Michael Duffy. Of course, you're signing him for sake. Yeah, but I, um, it's like it's just not like if you couldn't. If you're, I tell you what, though, like, the difference between Sean, the difference between uh, Michael Duffy and. The, sign, the big name signings that we've made over the last couple of seasons is that you are signing absolute guaranteed quality when you get Duffy in. And I think you know exactly what you're going to get for the season. And if he stays fish, he's an absolute game changer for you. You're signing the all-round best player in the league. There's no two ways about it. I know there's Jack Barron, there's Aaron McInef and all that. But honestly, Michael Duffy is a game changer. He is a game He will pull a game out. He'll rescue... Three points here from nothing, from absolutely nothing. You could be having an absolute stinker and he'll go and win you the game. Yeah. If there's a possibility of going to get him, yeah, you go and get him. But realistically, I can't see it happening. Genuinely. Uh-huh. I know I'm going to change the subject a little bit. Any idea what happened to uh, Michael O'Connor up in, out in Ross County? Is he gone? He left, uh, he left the club by mutual consent yesterday, I think. Yeah, he's supposed and to be a headbanger, though, isn't he? The club said, <laughs> we won't be commenting on this any further. I think he's like he's a good he's a good player, but I don't, he's a good player. Is he? You know, would you be going in for him though? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a gamble. He's a bit of a gamble. Where your Duffy is less of a gamble, you know. Michael O'Connor's had a lot of clubs already. He's still very young. Like that's not a good sign. Oh, but sure, Elding had a lot of clubs too. And he was an absolute headbanger. He was, but sure. Huh. He's our headbanger now. Yeah. Okay. More drama here. More drama here. On that note, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up. Uh, thanks for our sponsor, Milligram Coffee on Wine Street. Milligram.ie is their website. Uh, they have a wonderful new website. We'd encourage you to purchase your um, annual draw tickets for ten euro or a book oh. of ten for one hundred. Oh, Magoo, yes, yes. Oh no, I was just going to say before we go, we were supposed to give a shout out to 
um, oh, a lad over in, in Argentina, yep. Eamon May, who's been who's contacted the the, the trust a few, uh, once or twice yes. and says he listens to the podcast over in Buenos Aires. And he's also now, um, I don't know if anybody's seen during the week, there was a social media on Twitter anyway, seen him. Uh, he was in, the, is it the River Plate Stadium? I think so. Yeah. That has been uh, the pitch has been relayed by uh, Sligo's own George Mullen. That's right. So, so maybe maybe George is listening to the podcast with him. And so, if you're listening, George, you're welcome to come on and uh, I tell talk you about what, your craft. And, I, I tell you what, um, he's an uh, that he's an excellent child as a guest because some yeah. of his stories, George Mullen's stories, are unbelievable. Yeah. But um, or even yeah, throws even, even throws a bit of sponsorship. Absolutely, a bit of turf or boat. Yeah, we're happy <laughs> yeah. with either. Um, so yeah, big shout out to uh, Eamon May, who's uh, listening to us. He's a regular listener in South America. Uh, please do get in touch with us as well. You can contact the podcast um, at the following email address, podcast at B-O-R-S-T dot I-E. Uh, do let us know where you're listening, what part of the world you're coming in for. I have to say it was interesting to look at the uh, analytics and the stats of our last uh, podcast. Um, outside of Dublin uh, and Sligo, where was the where did most listens Take this. Any guesses? Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah, with uh, hundreds, with a hundred um, downloads or listens or plays in Liverpool. Danny Bench with seven devices playing at once. <laughs> they know they know their football over there. Yeah, and they know their podcasts. Miguel. They know their podcasts as well. as right. Yeah. Okay. Listen. Thanks so much for um, thanks so much for listening. And that's the end of the season. All in all, I mean. You know, if we you told us at the start of the season, our four games into the season that would be uh, would have qualified for Europe, and uh, we wouldn't have believed it. So, um, it's been um, it's it's been a great season all in all, and um, we we leave it there for this evening, and um, we talk to you all going well. Okay. See you, Miguel. See you, boys. See you, daughter. See you later, lads.